Welcome to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm Leslie Jane Seymour, founder of Covey Club, and I am so excited to bring you a fabulous podcast with one of the women I admire most in life. Her name is Sally Krawcheck, and she is the CEO and co-founder of Ella Vest, which their title is Invest Like a Woman, why not? And Elevate, um, which is a group of women that get together and support women in investments because until you have your money straight, you really can't do much in life, ladies. And she used to be um, uh, head of Merrill Lynch Wealth Management. She had a she has an MBA from Columbia, and she has her journalism degree from UNC. And what's so funny is um, I actually am a journalist without a journalism degree, went to Duke. Um, she, she was a, she's a frustrated journalism uh, major who never made it, but made it bigger on Wall Street. Um, and I am the journalism person who made it big in journalism, but wish I'd made it on Wall Street. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, Sally and I had done a lot of things together at Moore Magazine um, because when she bought 85 Broads and turned it into um, the Elevate platform, we found that we had a lot of things in common and we used to get together to discuss women's issues and issues of finance for women and how to bring uh, women together. And she's just always been such a sort of shining star out there for me and for women like us in terms of being really honest about what happens to women in business and how hard it is to reinvent yourself and how hard it is to get ahead in a man's world today. And so I've been tracking her for a while now that I've got Covey Club up and running and we finally got our podcast to go and you just have to listen to her. She's so frank and so honest about how hard it is to have gone so high, flown so high, and then failed so publicly, as she says on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and how she handled it. And honestly, when people say to me, how have I done so well? In many times, it's not that I did so well. It's that so many women who got knocked um, during my 40 years as an executive, they ran away it's easy to get knocked and run away. You can run away and hide um, behind being a mom, hide behind being a, a wife, hide behind being all these things. A lot of people just bailed out and ran away. I looked around at one point and realized a lot of people who were way more talented than me just left. And I'm not saying that I wasn't talented. I'm just saying that a lot of the competition ran away. And it's hard to get back up when you've failed publicly. And it's hard to be honest about it. And it's hard to say, um, I'm going to get back in. I'm going to stay back in. And I love working. And I'm going to go at it again. And I just want you to listen to her because she's going to give you such inspiration about no matter what's happened to you or could happen to you or what you're afraid could happen to you. It's not that bad. You can get through it. You need to be tough. And you can do it. So I want to welcome the amazing, incredible Sally Krawcheck. So I want to welcome the wonderful Sally Krawcheck, who is here with us today. I have been stalking my good friend, Sally, <laughs> who is a, just a wonderful reinventor, and I have admired her for so many years. 
And she used to do so many programs with us at Moore. She, of course, um, she just, you know, she's just such an inspiration because she got up there and talked about being a woman on Wall Street who took a lot of hits. And she's not afraid to stand up and say, you know, it is hard. And the hard part is getting up and getting hit and standing up again and getting hit and standing up again. And she's gorgeous and she's smart and she's gotten back up and man, has she done it all over again. And you just have to hear from her. And she's hilariously funny. And the wonderful part is I still love her. I love her even though she went to UNC and I'm a dookie. So welcome, wonderful Sally Krawcheck. Good to have you here this morning. Leslie, even though you're a dookie, it's good to be with you. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your history of reinvention because God, are you a reinventor. Um, quickly go through your your history of up and down. You have had it, girlfriend. Oh, in, boy. Oh, my God. Talk about giant up and down, you know? Yeah, well, um, and it actually starts in my 20s. I mean, when, when I think about it, I was reinventing before anyone was reinventing. I started, you know, I was a journalism major at the University of North Carolina. I desperately wanted to be a journalist. I... Um, ended up going to Wall Street in the late 1980s because that's where the jobs were and the money was. There were a few jobs in journalism and there certainly wasn't, you know, um, if you got one of the few jobs, they, they didn't pay enough to live on. I can so, tell you that for sure. You made the right decision. <laughs> there we go. So I went to Wall Street as an investment banker in my 20s and hated every last second of it. Um, spent my 20s trying to get out of it back into journalism still had difficulty getting a job um, doing it. Um, went to business school to reinvent myself. Um, came out of business school, still couldn't get a job in journalism, so I ended up back in investment banking, and I ended up at the age of 29 years, um, once divorced, remarried, baby, jobless, um, not in the industry I wanted to be in. So that was my 20s. Um, so I reinvented myself in my 30s, and merged what I loved about Wall Street and what I wanted to do in journalism and became a research analyst, which may not sound much like a journalist, but there's the writing, there are the insights, there's the putting together the stories, the seeing what others don't see. Uh, moved into management um, during my 30s um, and made a big transition into running, believe it or not, uh, went from running Sanford Bernstein to running Smith Barney had the opportunity to do that because we made some big bets at Sanford Bernstein, big bets that Wall Street, which we just saw as conflicted, having research analysts give recommendations to one group, uh, to two groups, both of which were in conflict with the other. We got out of that business. And so I ran Smith Barney. I got fired in the financial crisis uh, because I was the only executive on Wall Street or senior executive on Wall Street to work to return the money to clients. I managed to get the money back uh, but my boss didn't like it, so he fired me. Unbelievable. Uh, and then ended up at uh, running Merrill Lynch, um, the wealth management business, and got fired or reorged, I'm supposed to say, from that two years later after the business got turned around. And they said, thank you for thank you for the turnaround. Off you go. And now I'm an entrepreneur. So, Leslie, I'm not sure there are ways a person could have more reinventions than I've had from jobs I didn't like to jobs I did like into management from management of medium-sized companies to management of huge companies to public firings and now to being an entrepreneur. I think I win the, win the record. 
You do. And what's so fabulous about you, though, Sally, is you came out very quickly and you said, you know, most people would slink away with these public firings. And um, I've been publicly fired. I, I was I was fired very publicly when um, my my boss decided that she was there was no other person to shoot um, except me in the middle when she we were part of a um, French American conglomerate. And of course, the two partners are not going to sh shoot each other. They're going to shoot the monkey in the middle, which was me. And um, most people, you know, it's very hard to recover from that. And a lot of people don't. And I think one of the things people learn or they they learn over time is resiliency is one of the keys to success. So how did you become so resilient? Because it's easy to walk away, especially as a woman. You can say, oh, I'm just going to spend time with my family. Um, I you, People can hide that way. They can say, I'm just going to become a mom. Um, there's a thousand different exits for women that men don't have. How come you decided, A, to be public with your firings and B, not take the family and mother cover and come back out. Are you just really tough? Are you, did you need the money? No, no, I love my job. I love my job. Um, I love what I do. I tell people I've loved my job so much. I even loved getting fired and the option <laughs> of going home and not working just didn't feel right for me. It's right for a lot of people. It wasn't right for me and my family. Um, you know, and, and in terms of the being public about getting fired, you know, Leslie, I was fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It's hard to hide. You know, when it when the Wall Street Journal says Sally Krawcheck got fired and then to try to go out and be like, well, I didn't really, really get fired. Really. Um, in fact, I have a friend of mine, uh, someone you you know, very senior uh, woman in a, formerly at, at one of the big media companies. And, she got fired and everybody knew she got fired and i remember the first time she and i went out for breakfast and she spent the entire breakfast telling me blow by blow almost in real time the conversation with her boss about how she didn't get fired and i just thought golly moses she just wasted her time and my time because i don't care if she got fired or not i came here with three new business ideas for her that wow. i wanted to discuss and she wanted to, you know, really um, try to make her ego feel better. And so we never got to the three ideas. And so to me, there's no shame in it any longer. Maybe in the day when business just didn't move forward very fast. And so everybody was, you know, in this mythical past doing jobs that never changed. If you got fired, maybe that just meant you were just really or terrible at your job. But today, you know, the business, business just moves so quickly. Um, that I almost say, if you, if you don't get fired at least once, you're not trying hard enough. Well, right? that was, that was Anna Winters. I remember Anna Winter coined that phrase. She was my old boss at one point. If you haven't gotten fired at least once in your career, you're obviously not doing a good job. You're not right. pushing hard enough, you know? That's right. And so I just think it's a different era. And, and I'm also very aware of the research that tells us that women take failure much harder than men do. And so we feel this sense of shame when we're fired or when we publicly stumble. You know, the guys, I guess, I don't know, in football practice, they always get knocked down. So they just stand up and, you know, sort of, you know, wipe themselves off. In cheerleading practice, if you messed up, it was just this horrible thing, right? Where you're apologizing to the squad for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the season. And so, you know, I think the guys learned to, you know, live with failure to a greater degree than we women did. 
I think, yeah, I think women have a lot to learn from that. And I think, I think especially the, I think you were a shining light very early on before it became publicly acceptable, acceptable. I think it has become more publicly acceptable as, um, as business has sped up, as the internet has increased the speed at which things collapse and rebuild, mm -hmm. I think it has become more acceptable. And as these guys, these youngins have come out and said, you know, break things and, you know, mm -hmm. you have to fail in order to, to do well. But I think women still take it more emotionally. Do you think that or do you, do you see a change in how women are taking failure? No, I, I don't know if I'm seeing it as much as you are. I mean, I still see this this sense of shame that goes with it. Um, you know that we need to, you know, help. We, we need to just talk about it in order to make in order to normalize it um, and make it work. Um, you know, and I think you know in society too. Not only when we have have failed have we sort of felt the shame, but you know, there's been shame in speaking up. You know, we found ourselves isolated in speaking up if things were wrong. And this is where I think the millennials are really helping us move forward. I mean, you think about a few years ago, and Ellen Powell sued Kleiner Perkins, yes. you know, for gender discrimination, and, and nobody really supported her that I know of. I mean, I, I remember going to cocktail parties out, you know, um, you know, out east, out west, excuse me, and people were like, well, you know, I don't know about her, and you're, you know, you're supporting. Well, I mean, I, I want to do business with Kleiner Perkins, so I don't know. And then you look at what's happened over the past year where Susan Fowler speaks out against Uber and is hugely supported by the millennial women around her. The actresses speak out about Harvey Weinstein, hugely supported by the other actresses or the women come together at Nike to change that culture. You know, it's just, a, I think we learn a lot um, from not just failure. And, and I've always tried when a friend of mine fails to run to the fire um, you know, run to support her. But I think we can find too that when women are speaking up about some of the issues um, that have kept us from being successful, that have kept us from moving ahead, believing her and supporting her. Do you find that there's a generational difference now? Do you think it's good? Or, or do you think that women over 40 are being pushed by the millennials to help? Do you find that this, you, do you feel like there's a sea change after Me Too? A good one, a bad one? Do you think yeah. Do you think it's kind of gone away? I thought I was very, 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 very hopeful after the Weinstein mm -hmm. change that things are really changing. People are going to speak out. I feel like it's kind of been blotted out lately. Like, where are we with this? What's happening? Is anything really happening? It's kind of calm down. I'm not sure I agree. I feel like every week we see someone else. I mean, we you saw do. the CEO Intel is out and um, you know, we saw another um, tech, you know, tech company last week, another CEO out. And so, you know, it's hard for each one to have the same impact as the right. first. But there's just this steady drumbeat, you know, of, I mean, Uber, they continue to, you know, people continue to leave there as that company is trying to find its way. I, so I'm probably a little more hopeful than you are because I, I see the, I see this now as a drumbeat. Um, what I think the big difference is, I, I remember, you know, Gloria Steinem has said, that women were the only group that became more radical as they age. Uh -huh. And I saw this in my career. So, you know, in my 20s, um, I went into investment banking. My class was about a third women. And I remember looking around. My mother was a feminist. And so I didn't want to be a feminist. I didn't want to be a feminist <laughs> because I didn't want right. to be like my mom. Right. I had to rebel. And as I looked around and I said, you know what? There are plenty of women here. 
maybe it's not 50-50, but it's there. And they really like having us around. So this whole, you know, feminist thing is over. Thanks, Mom, for fighting that battle. We're done. Um, you know, in my, you know, and as Gloria would say, of course, Sally, you were your sexual peak. Guys loved having you around. I'm like, I, I'm not sure I would have put it that way, but, you know, you're, we're kittens at that stage, right? Right. Um, in, in your 30s, um, you've got the first kid and the first jerk boss and the second kid and the second jerk boss, and you're trying to get the promotion and your friend, you know, you're holding on with by your fingers and you're having issues in the marriage and all this stuff happens in your thirties. And then your mid forties, you look up and you realize that after the kids have gone away, you've got more free time. You're the only woman left. And right. so in your forties, all of a sudden, you know, you just, you just become a feminist. And that's what the trend has been. The big difference today is that these young ladies are becoming feminists much sooner than we did. And they're recognizing the inequities because they were expecting to have a female president. You know, they right. heard all this talk, right? Where there were so many books, so many books about how to get ahead in business, all of which sort of put the onus on us as individuals. If you follow this recipe, you too will become a CEO. And if you didn't follow, you know, if you didn't become a CEO, it was your own fault. And then what women, young women are recognizing, we didn't get a female president and there are more CEOs in the Fortune 500 named John than there are women CEOs. And the gender pay gap is decades away from closing for white women, 100 plus years away from closing for black women, and 200 plus years away from closing for Latino women. Oh my gosh, we've made no progress. So all of a sudden where I become help, hopeful is these women in their 20s are saying NFW. Right. And do you see that among your ranks and among the, the women that come to your events and that are in your purview? In general, are they saying that? And what are they proposing as changes? Well, um, I think where there's they see wrong being done, they're speaking up, you know, as opposed to put their head down. And I think we all have to calibrate, you know, where where we speak up, you know, with the, you know, the guy who asked you to get coffee. Do you go berserk over that, right? You know, mm -hmm. or do you get your own coffee? Um, you know, at what point do you... Um, let something go by. At what point do you report it to HR? At what point do you speak to your boss? And I think folks are trying to calibrate um, where where the right place is. But you know, we're talking reinvention. I mean, this is a substantial reinvention of business. I think there's also a reinvention of careers that's occurring. Where women are all young women also, and women our age, um, yeah, also young. Leslie. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, looking and saying, wait a second, you know, I've been at this company for X number of years. It doesn't have the meaning and purpose that maybe I'm looking for. And it's so much easier to start a business now. You know, maybe I'll go off and do something on my own and build the company that I want. And so I think women at all ages today are doing a, a um, really substantial reevaluation of what's important to them in light of, you know, the, the national conversation that's occurring. Can you talk a little bit about women who are feeling like they have a target on their back in corporate America if they're older, if they have a high salary and they're feeling marginalized or they're feeling like they're being pushed out quietly? Mm -hmm. And I've been talking to an awful lot of women, Sally, who are saying, I'm feeling like I'm being squeezed out of here. And if they're being squeezed out and pushed out, um, they're not being loud back in. It seems like I'm looking for the numbers now. I have some people looking for me to find the numbers. Yeah. It may be their perception is 
that women are being pushed out in their 50s and that men are being pushed out in their 60s right before retirement. It, it, I don't know if there are numbers. Do you have any numbers on that? Well, I can, I can tell you what we see at Elevest, which is that when we- What do you see? Women's salaries peak sooner than men's do. They do? They okay, do. tell me. They do by, by a decade. Um, mm. And whether this is caused by the glass ceiling or women getting pushed out or career breaks, whatever those things are, um, it's, it's by a decade. And that has, oh. you know, part of the reason we built Elevest is because the other, um, did, we started as a digital investing platform, we're now people as well. But as we built the digital investing platform, you know, what was clear is that the other digital investing platforms were targeted to men. And so if you're looking at what happens to a person on average, um, on average, your salary peaks later. And on average, you know, since women live longer, on average, yeah. people die earlier. Right. Yes. That's very dangerous when you're planning for retirement. If your underlying investing platform assumes you make more money than you make and die sooner than you do. Super right. dangerous for women. So that's actually a reason we founded Elevest. Everybody, I keep hearing there was a freaking article last week. Do women need their own investing platform? You know, and then, of course, the, the guys all get interviewed for it. And like, no, they don't. <laughs> right. Of course we do. Of course we do. You know, because. The, the, there's bias that's built into, um, you know, others. And by the way, if we didn't need our own one, we'd all be investing at the same rate as men do and earning the same returns men do. And of course we're not, which leaves us with less money for some of your listeners because we invest less than men do a million dollars or more, um, less money over the course of our lives. So that's why I started Elevest because women are, women are getting the short end of the stick when it comes to investing. And, but so our salaries peak in our fifties, is that what, and then they decline? We were showing them even earlier and then, yeah. And earlier. And, yeah. Yeah. Is that because we're being forced out of our corporate jobs earlier? Well, is that what yeah, I don't, I have not asked the numbers why. Um, I just see the numbers, okay. You're seeing. Uh, but it can be career breaks. It can be glass ceilings. It can be women forced out. Um, uh -huh. There can be any, you know, it could be restructurings. There uh -huh. can be any number for it. Now back to your question of, you know, what are women going to do if they think they're getting forced out? You have two yes. choices, right? You stand and you fight. Right. Um, and or, and or, you or, you leave and you start your own thing. Um, right. You know, and I have to tell you, I'm I'm sort of become, coming to the point of view of if you can afford to do it, um, go do your own thing. You know, yeah. who wants to be at a place where people are jerks, you know, and... You're fighting a battle every day. Life is so friggin' short. I agree. Right? I agree. And, you know, I can't, if we did a calculation of how much productivity and joy um, is lost by women who are working for men who don't get it. I agree. Oh, my God. A, you know, and it's a, it, and it's sometimes we really, Leslie, I fall short. They somehow think, like, this is the only job. Yes. Right? This yes. is my job. This yes. is the only job. And by the way, I can fix it. If yes. I can just yes. have one more conversation and just, you know, get them to see or just turn in this project and make oh, it right. God. And sometimes you're just working for a jerk and oh. finding it, you know, if you can get out and find something new, whether it's another company or start your own thing, it's going to be tough for a year, but that's tough for a year as opposed to tough for the rest of your life. It would be very interesting. You've actually given me a great idea to do a productivity and joy, um, you know, 
like chart because what you're talking about, but you, but the key point there, Sally, is having enough money put away to to well, do it. You have to squirrel away enough money so that you can do it. Because I look back and I say, I the words you're speaking are exactly my words every day for years working in a business dominated by men who would say who ran a woman's business and they would say whenever you would come up with an idea for women's products they were the head of women's products and they would say i don't know let me ask my wife mm -hmm. heads yeah. of women's yeah. businesses i don't know let me ask my wife it was so depressing but to go and say yes productivity and joy all that timing and when I got out on my own, finally, it is so much, you are so much faster and so much more upbeat. And if you can figure out the financial part of it, right. that is just the joy level is so high that it's, it's, and you move so much faster and you're so much happier and you don't mind scraping along the bottom and eating, you know, you're back to ramen noodles again, <laughs> you know, in your, you know, in your fifties, you're eating, you know, Avocado, you know, toast every day. It's I okay if you're happy. Yeah, I just, I just had avocado toast. Um, right. Well, you know, here's the thing. It, it also makes you feel like you have a longer life. You know, they. Yeah. Um, you've seen the yeah. research that says, you know, that of all this thing, gosh, my life speeds up uh, because in my fifties, because every year is a smaller percent of my you know, accumulated years. And so therefore that's why it feels like it speeds up. That's actually not true. The reason the research says that your life feels like it speeds up in your fifties is because you keep doing the same thing. You know, it's summer. Yes. So you got the, you have the same vacation and it's, you know, summer. And so you're making the same dishes you made last summer, which you're making the same that you made the summer before and the summer before and the summer before. And so it's hard, you know, you remember everything about middle school because everything was new. Yeah. But it's really hard to remember what was going on in 2013, you know, because it's sort of the same as 2018. Um, and so if you start something new, all of a sudden you're firing all kinds of different neurons than you were yes. before. And it's totally terrifying. And the chance of failure, you know, probably increases. Um, but it's invigorating and exhilarating. And what the hell, you know, you're you live one time, you might as well just be, you know, scared of living the Jesus out of yourself the whole time of your life. Why not? Well, and it's true because when you're on autopilot, that is how your life slips away. And I learned, I learned that very much um, about, that's why I started meditating was because I was not paying attention to every single day because it was just on autopilot. Mm -hmm. You were just doing, you're in the rats, you know, on the, on the wheel doing it and you weren't paying attention. It's so funny. I remember saying to some friend of mine, this a few years ago, um, who lived, who lived, had the good, great good fortune to live on Park Avenue in Manhattan. And as a woman who went back and forth with a car and driver to work every day. And I remember saying to her one day, you believe how beautiful the tulips on Park Avenue are this year. Cause every year they plant the tulips. Right. And she was, she said, huh? What? Yeah. And here she was, you know, with this, I mean, who, you know, to achieve in life that you live on Park Avenue yeah, and that you miss the tulips is a tough way to live a life. I remember when I was running Mary Claire and I knew it was time to leave when I was going down the Champs-Élysées. This is very, you know, high level problem to have. And I was on my BlackBerry 
And I didn't even look up to look at the Champs Elysees. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is screwed up. I messed up. That's screwed up. (laughs) I'm my favorite city in the world. And I'm looking down the whole time. I can't even, I'm so paranoid and frightened about what's going on in my life that Mm -hmm. I can't even look up to see the most gorgeous place in the world. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about reinvention here a little bit more. And having the power, I want to talk just a little bit more about shame and about fear and about reinventing and having the guts to, to walk away and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. Because um, that is, you know, whether it's being an entrepreneur, whether it's being going back to school and saying, this is what I'm going to do at this point in my life. I'm going to walk away from this shitty job I've been doing that is depressing, or I'm on autopilot, or I'm in a bad marriage, or I'm in a, in a spiraling thing that's no good for me. Um, and there's going to be some kind of public outcry from my family, my husband, my, maybe I have to get out of a bad marriage. Maybe I, mm-hmm. there's going to be yeah. some public whatever. How do you deal with that? You're so damn great in public. Were you always great in public? You're just, were you always like <laughs> tough? You become tough? Like you're such a good, you are just <laughs> wonderful to watch because you're bouncy, you're funny, you're like, were you always that person or did you become that person? I don't know, you know, what, what, a, what, a, what a question. Um, look, I was bullied in middle school. Oh, um, I was bullied, okay. oh, yeah, I was bullied out of middle school, as a matter of fact, by, went to an all-girls school and, you know, having to wake up every morning and go to a school that you hate where you just feel a complete sense of humiliation where you eat lunch by yourself. Then you're just begging for the recess bell to ring so you can, you know, not be sitting there alone eating lunch, not being the, you know, you're dying for um, gym to be over because you're the last one picked for the team. Um, you know, teaches you, you know, you can get through a lot. You can, get through a lot of adversity because at that age that, you know, that school's your, really your whole life. Um, you know, so I, I've often said there wasn't anything they could do to me on wall street that was as bad as seventh grade. Um, <laughs> but I think there, look, I think there's some, some truth to that, right. Just sort of power through. I think it's that. And I think it's also a recognition of, you know, we're so lucky. We're so fortunate. We're so dare I say the word, privileged yes um, that what we're talking about here are um, first world problems yes. I, I don't you know gosh I should I leave my job where yes. the boss is being a jerk to me yes to go start a business I mean these are these are problems that anybody would, would change with us and I think having that recognition that we are playing with house money yeah um, the joy to it that wouldn't otherwise exist and, and recognizing that our life is short and you and I both have friends who've passed away at young ages and Correct. you know, friends, husbands who passed away at even, young, even younger ages. To me, every day above ground is a good day. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I faced a humiliation at work or, you know, my spouse doesn't like the direction I'm going. And, you know, so what? Big deal. You know, the, it's all about, um, reaching your potential in life, which may come from not staying in the same job for the 15th year um, and having a positive impact. Is the world better off because I was here or in my case, because we're really working to help women invest 
so that women can earn more money, so that women can be equal to men. You know, have we, that's a big goal. It's a big goal. And, you know, are we, have we achieved something through doing it? So I wouldn't say I jump out of bed every morning to go to work, but I firmly understand where we're trying to have a positive impact. Um, and if people want to, you know, yeah, do women need their own thing? Let's write another article and say Sally's business isn't going to make it. Like, get a life, honestly. Now, in closing, Sally, um, I always ask um, um, those who join me on the podcast to give us just three really actionable tips that you've kind of picked up over time that listeners can employ today, hopefully, <laughs> tomorrow, most likely, that will get them started on their reinvention because yeah. reinvention is so tough and not the 101 tips. We all know the 101 tips. You've been at it for such a long time. You've seen other people doing stuff. If I took out my little notebook today and it already has 100 mm -hmm. tips, what three things yeah. would you tell me to add or tell my listeners to add today? I'll say a few things. I'd say, number one, you can't reinvent if you don't know which direction you're reinventing in. And I found the hardest part of my reinvention was figuring out what I wanted to do. And so I've got two ways that I get to know myself. Um, one way is I wake up early in the morning, um, begin to write, you know, ask myself the question about what do I want my life to be before I go to sleep, wake up early in the morning, write down everything in my head. And I sort of do the same thing again over wine at night. What I'm trying to do is take <laughs> away all of the societal expectations and, and the reasons why not. And, you know, start off. I, I hit it all kinds of ways. What When I'm on my deathbed, what do I want to look back at? You know, what do I love? What do I hate? What do, how do I see myself? What are the parts of myself? What, what parts of the day do I like? But I mean, I've tried every exercise on the planet. But I would say give yourself time to really get to know yourself because sometimes so many years have passed that we've just forgotten who we really are underneath. And so that's, I can't do it at two o'clock in the afternoon. It has to be when the defenses are down. So that's number one. Um, you know, number two, um, I would say is, you know, your next opportunity is going to come from somebody you don't expect it to come from it. You know, Leslie, for you and me, it, I'm not going to give you your next opportunity and you're not going to give me my next opportunity. We know each other too well. Right. right. It's going to be somebody that you met at XYZ conference. Right. You know, knows things you just don't know and has connections you just don't have. So a loose connection, having a lot of loose connections is going to be more useful than having a few close connections. So ladies, you've got to get out there and, you know, nobody likes the word schmooze, but you got to get out there and get to know people and be giving up to your network. Just do favors for them all the time and they'll, bring favors back to you. Um, and then I would say, look, there are, I, I tell my kids this, there are a hundred opportunities that float by you a day. A hundred. Yes. A yes. hundred. You just don't see them. And so, you know, once you really know what you want to do, once you've got those connections, you've got to be on the alert because there are a hundred opportunities for you to be successful. You've got to grab them. And then if you didn't get them today, they're going to be a hundred more tomorrow and a hundred more the next day. So for me, when I reinvented, I'm pretty sheepish to tell you that get, going from, you know, Merrill Lynch to starting Alavest 
was probably a three-year journey. Now, that's going to be longer than your, your listeners are going to want to hear because you're going to be like, look, I want to reinvent tomorrow. Um, but in that three-year journey, I tried on a whole bunch of different quote-unquote outfits, tried, you know, sort of thought a, a whole bunch of different ways. And by the time I got to Elevest, I was rock solid. You know, this is exactly what I wanted to do. This is exactly how we wanted to do it. This is the team I wanted to do it with. You know, this is how we're going to raise money. But I gave myself the luxury of time. And had I not, Leslie, I would have done the wrong thing. It takes longer than you think. It's funny. I think I'm on a three-year trajectory also. I don't think you can do it in less than three years. And that's why you have to invest some money with Sally so that you can make enough money early. Do it early, girls so that you can put away some money. I say you have to have a reinvention plan in your back pocket and you have to have at least a year's runway. Maybe it's longer than that. Um, and you, even if you're at a company that you love and that, you know, what all these women say to me, they love me. They love you until tomorrow they're bought by somebody else and they move the right. operations to Abu Dhabi. And it's not about you. It's about them. So mm -hmm. you have to have that in your back pocket. And then look, if nothing goes wrong, you've, buy yourself a car or a condo, you know? I, well, you, you make such a good point. I say, you know, my network at Bank of America, where, which on Merrill Lynch, was super strong up until the day they reorganized me and other folks out, in which case, uh, you know, my, my Christmas card, you know, take from Bank of America down 97%, right? No, you know, nobody, they, they're not mean people, but nobody wants to be talking to someone who got reorged out. Right. You know, they don't always Day. It's so awkward. It's so embarrassing. You know, I, I always joke there was a woman there who um, did the old, I, want, I don't want to just stay in touch. I really want to stay in touch. And every time I've tried to reach out to her, she won't return my phone call. She won't even accept my LinkedIn invite. <laughs> so, you know, you, you got to have that rainy day plan because you might not need it. But if you do need it, you know, if you don't have any, you do need it. You got a real problem. You don't know. And you don't know. And especially today with things the way things are going, who knows? And you need to protect yourself. And I think women are less likely to protect themselves than men. We all, you know, we get too much into the emotional side of it. And um, uh, I've seen too many friends of mine who say, I've been there 22 years and they love me. And it has nothing to do with love. <laughs> so Sally. Oh, honey, my, my first husband loved me too. And then that <laughs> Then he decided to love my friends. So there we have. <laughs> well, Sally, you are such <laughs> a font of wisdom and such. You're so funny. You're so wonderful. I so admire you. And now that I know about seventh grade, I would have come and sat with you Aww, any day, any time, always. And um, I want to thank you a million, million times for finally sitting down with us. And we will do some great things with Covey Club with you. I'm now going to corral you to do an event. And I just mm -hmm. want to thank you for bringing your wit and wisdom to us. And we're going to share this far and wide. And thanks so much for taking the time. I so admire you. Always have. Back at you, Leslie. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. So thank you all for listening to Reinvent Yourself with Leslie Jane Seymour. If that wasn't a lesson in reinventing yourself, I don't know what is. If you enjoyed Reinvent Yourself, please go to the podcast, give us some stars. I hope you'll give us five stars. 
We need to have your stars so that other people can find us. That's how we go up in the ratings and how other women will find us and can get some inspiration and help from us. Please come to CoveyClub.com and join us. Join Nest. You will get our wonderful magazine. You will get to join our coffee and conversations, which are virtual salons. You will get invitations to our events, which are fabulous. I think you'll enjoy them. And I would really, really love to see you uh, at some of our events and get to know you better. And I hope you will join us again on Reinvent Yourself. Until then, I'm Leslie Jane Seymour. Take care.